Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast presented by the Holy Grail here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel flying solo today. Dave Simone apparently still has work to do as we all are quarantined. He is working from home and he does not get off work. He does not punch the clock until 4 p.m. So I am here by myself, but that's okay because we have a fantastic guest today. Maybe not as big as John Brandon and Gino Gadulli. So this guy's this guy's got a lot to uh, a lot to live up to based on the last two guests we have. No pressure, Aaron. Uh, but <laughs> not, none, none felt. Welcome in uh, the one of the the key components behind the scenes for the UC Bearcats, Aaron Hemmler. Aaron, I, I don't want to miss anything. So what is your specific title at the University of uh, Cincinnati? Sure. First of all, thanks for having me on, Chad. Appreciate the uh, the opportunity to break away from the you know the normal uh, norm that I guess we are all feeling these days. Uh, but my official title is assistant athletic director for sports medicine and uh, the head football athletic trainer uh, here at the University of Cincinnati. So Aaron is the guy that when when something bad happens on a football field, Aaron's the first guy you see running off the sidelines to come and check and yes, make sure absolutely. that make sure that everything's okay. Uh, you, you saw him a lot on, on, you know, and I say this jokingly, but guys like Brian Wright, who at least once a game, uh, had something happen. Cortez Broughton, I think was probably the, 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 the most I can remember at least once been, every game Cortez went down with something, right? I, I've been on the field for Cortez quite a bit. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I recognize and, and remember that run, uh, uh very well. <laughs> Aaron, uh, before we get into um, the, the details of how you guys are coping as a as a training staff uh, with everything that's been going on, uh, take me through what led you to athletic training. What 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 sent you in this direction? Uh, you're a Northern Kentucky guy like myself. So, uh, what what was the path that led you to the University of Cincinnati and, and now being the head athletic trainer for football? Sure, I'll uh, I'll give you the, the the condensed version, if you will, because I could probably talk to, about we, this for a while. We've got an hour, like you don't have oh, to condense beautiful. anything. Well, I might use all your hour up then. All right, let's um, go. <laughs> so I, I went to, uh, as you said, I'm local uh, Northern Kentucky kid. I uh, went to Scott High School, grew up in Edgewood, Kentucky, and um, you know, coming out of high school, home of Mo uh, Egger. Most, uh, yes, absolutely the the home of Mo Egger, uh, for sure. Eagle Eagles ride together, but uh, you know, coming out of high school, as most uh, high school athletes think that they're going to, you know, play professional sport, uh, whatever that sport may be. Mine was, was baseball. I was convinced I was going to, you know, play for the Cincinnati Reds one day. And then, uh, that, that, you know, dream came to, uh, a pretty abrupt, um, you know, realization that I probably wasn't good enough to, to make it that far. Uh, but, you know, wanted to stick into athletics somehow. Um, didn't really know what that meant or what that was going to look like or feel like, but, um, I actually had a, a classmate of mine at Scott that uh, uh, her sister was, um, you know, in the athletic training program at Eastern Kentucky University and, um, you know, learned, learned a little bit about that. And, uh, you know, something that at least, you know, for the moment kind of captured my, uh, you know, interest and imagination and, um, you know, kind of honestly blindly went down the path of, you know, going into athletic training. Um, so, I mean, I, I declared – you know, early into that program. Uh, at the time, EKU was the only accredited program in the state of Kentucky. Uh, so my, you know, options for staying home in, in the state were, were, you know, pretty few and far in between. And, um, you know, went on my way down to Richmond and, uh, you know, went through their four-year program. Um, you know, as, as many students do in athletic training, you, you hit a, a wall about junior year or so. Uh, when the, you know, the class load gets pretty heavy. And I think at that point I was like, you know what, screw this. I'm going to, I'm going to go into physical therapy and uh, started doing, um, you know, some of my prerequisites for that. And uh, I believe I was in the middle of a physics class one day and uh, realized that I had absolutely no idea what the professor was talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what, physical therapy can wait. Maybe we'll, st- maybe we'll ride this athletic training thing out for a little bit longer. Um, but actually ended up having, you know, some fantastic uh, clinical rotations, did a rotation at Lexington Catholic High School, uh, which was, you know, phenomenal. And, um, you know, coming out of, um, you know, coming out of undergrad, I actually applied for uh, a GA position at UC. And, 
at the time, it was right about uh, when they were uh, gaining entry into the Big East. And uh, I applied there, and I applied to Ohio University for grad school. And as we're going through the process, um, I get a, you know, uh, my offer letter from OU, if you will, saying, hey, we're, we're going to accept you uh, to our, you know, post-professional master's program. Uh, and my next call, actually, was to, to Bill Walker. And I said, hey, you know, I, I know we've been talking. Would really love to come to UC, but, um, you know, I, I have an offer on the table you know, where do you guys stand? And he, he actually told me to take the, the OU position because uh, the GA position was going to have to um, kind of go by the wayside for a little bit because I think they had to uh, bump up full-time staff due to, you know, the, the move to the Big East. Um, and, you know, at that point, uh, you know, who, who knew that, whoever would have thought that I would have made it, you know, full circle back to UC – uh, but went full steam ahead to Ohio University, did uh, my one-year master's there, and then uh, came out and wanted to uh, kind of start my job search you know, locally back home and um, got uh, got a job interview with Novacare Rehabilitation. And um, my first assignment there was going to be at, at Beachwood High School. So I was the, the athletic trainer at Beachwood for five years. And, and as uh, I you know matriculated through that time, um, I got to know um, Bob Mangine and uh, Dr. Palacima really well, uh, as they were, you know, prominent figures in in our operation there at, at Beachwood. And <clears throat> I think it was probably year three. I was at a uh, sports medicine conference that Doc and, and Bob were putting on, and I was listening to Bob talk. And, and something, you know, inside me, I'm like, I I, I got to work at UC. Like I, I got to work, you know, with that guy. I want to learn from him and and the staff up there. And, uh, 2013, the, uh, baseball position opened up and, uh, they, they asked if I was interested and I said, absolutely. And, and jumped on board. Uh, so I came to UC in 2013, started with the baseball program and was there for, um, you know, with them for three years and then, uh, transitioned over, uh, into football as, as Bob's kind of head assistant, um, Tuberville's last season. And, you know, the rest is, is kind of history from there. And that kind of you know, brings us to today. And now I'm the head football athletic trainer and holding on to the position for dear life. How much do you now regret that thought that you really wanted to work for Bob Mangine? <laughs> um, I would say 97% of the time I don't regret it. But, uh, you know, there are definitely, you know, I mean, if for anybody that has, you know, any kind of uh, experience or, you know, um, interaction with Bob knows that he's uh, definitely passionate about what he does. And, um, you know, we, we see that and, and uh, obviously feed off that in the training room as well on a, on a daily basis. Bob is uh, Bob is a very good friend of mine for those wondering. So I got to rib sure. him a little bit, a little oh, absolutely. bit on this podcast. I would feel bad if I didn't, but I won't, I won't, I won't get him too bad because he did. Uh, okay. You coming on and talking to me. Probably so he could avoid it, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's possible. <laughs> There's a good chance. <laughs> All right, let's let's get into the current state of things and and where we're at. How difficult has this been to navigate? Because it's it's not something. It can't be something that that was you know prepared for, right? It can't. It, there, there, were there contingency plans? If something no, like this it, ever happened, or is it just figuring no, out as we I go? Mean, this is this is, I would say definitely, um, you know, something that wasn't in the playbook of, you know, if a, if a pandemic happens to, you know, break out, we're going to do A, B, C, and D. Um, but I, I can say that, you know, with, with Bob and then our head team physician, uh, you know, Dr. Devine, um, you know, I, I really do feel like we've been kind of on the, the forefront of some of this stuff and, and you know, we really started to kind of catch wind that things were going to be, you know, um, I think changing rapidly or evolving rapidly, uh, kind of like that last, like end of, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, kind of going into that last uh, spring practice that we had. And immediately we're, you know, already starting to, to jump into plans. And, um, you know, the, the immediate plan was um, let's, let's find out, you know, who is going on spring break, where they're going. Um, let's make sure that, you know, they're, um, you know, going to be safe or with family or, or basically just trying to keep track and, and tabs of, 
you know, not, not just the football players, but, you know, all 500 athletes that we have. Um, so we all kind of, you know, pretty much scrambled into this uh, communication, you know, mode of, of uh, you know, constantly uh, texting and calling uh, our athletes and, and basically trying to, you know, check in on them. Um, and, you know, fast forward, what, two and two and a half weeks or so, uh, that still really is, is one of the, you know, the main functions that we're doing right now is, um, you know, I've, uh, my, myself and Michelle with football specifically, uh, about every other day, we're, we're tracking down the entire team and uh, asking how they are, you know, how, how uh, their friends or family's doing. Uh, you know, obviously checking in on them from from that standpoint, not just as it relates to you know coronavirus, but also you know from a mental health standpoint, and making sure that everybody's trying to you know stay as, as sane as possible during this time. Um, but really, it's you know we're um, you know trying to you know gather as much information we can and and uh, you know prepare for you know if if any of our athletes do come down with this and and what that you know, that protocol and what that pathway is going to look like to make sure that they're, you know, getting the, the health care that they need, whether that's here in Cincinnati or, you know, across the country. In terms of, uh, you know, coming out of a football season, I think people kind of understand that it's it's common. Guys get cleaned up. They get, you know, a, a little shoulder cleanup here or a knee cleanup there, whatever the case may be. Um how difficult is that with, with kids at home? Now you don't get to see them every day. You don't get to um, re- get your hands on them and, and, and continue that rehabilitation process on at the facility. How do you handle, you know, making sure checking up on these guys and, and making sure that, that they're healing properly? Sure. Uh, you know, I think the probably the, the second biggest buzzword uh, beyond coronavirus right now is, uh, you know, telemedicine or telehealth. And, um, you know, in really honestly, in a really short period of time, uh, we've had to become, you know, pretty proficient at that. Um, so, yeah, as you indicated, there, you know, are a handful of, of guys that, you know, had some, some procedures, you know, done after the season. Uh, luckily for, for us, most of those, uh, you know, those guys and, and where they're at and kind of their process, uh, were in a, in a position for them to, um, you know, walk away from, from UC for a period of time and us be able to, you know, I think effectively manage those, uh, you know, from a distance or, or from, you know, FaceTiming or, uh, you know, Zoom meetings or whatever it may be. Um, you know, luckily a lot of those weren't, you know, fresh out of the operating room and, and right. needed, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, hands-on kind of skill and care, you know, right off the bat. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we got a, a core group of rehab guys that, um, you know, are, are, are kind of our usual customers that we see uh, on a daily basis, regardless of, you know, how things were, you know, going on the field or in the weight room. And, um, you know, whether it's myself, Michelle, uh, our PT resident, Cody, or uh, our director of rehab, uh, Tim, um, you know, one of us are, are basically getting in contact with those guys on a, a very frequent basis. And, you know, from from a distance or from our phone, you know, like, all right, let's let's see you do this exercise. Let's see how that looks. You know, uh, put your put your arm in this position. Let's let's see what kind of range of motion you got there. And, um, you know, we're Really, honestly, what we're trying to do is is continue that continuity of care uh, as best as we can, and try to provide them as much normalcy as, as we can, um, you know, during this time. But I, I think, you know, that that um, you know, regimen or that daily routine that they have, and, and trying to keep that, you know, still somewhat active is is obviously pretty critical, just from a you know, health and well-being standpoint, let alone the, you know, the standpoint of, you know, continuing to rehab their, you know, their injured body part, whatever it may be. How worried are you that you're going to have to put pretty much the entire team on a diet when they come back to campus? <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, I actually, you know, I, I might take my hat off to, uh, you know, Brady and, and the strength and conditioning staff. Um, you know, I think they've been doing a phenomenal job of, of keeping in touch with the guys just as we have. And um, the, the one thing I, I can't say that um, I'm surprised by this, but it really seems that a lot of our guys are, are really, you know, owning this moment and, uh, you know, taking care of themselves. Um, you know, I, I, 
there's really not a whole lot in in terms of success that we see that really surprises me anymore with you know the the um, you know culture that we have built with uh, you know Coach Fickle, but they they seem to be really doing a, a fantastic job of of staying you know fresh with you know the the workout programs we've been giving them and um, you know making sure that you know they're they're still eating as, as best as they can. Uh, another big thing that we've been doing in the training room uh, the last week and a half is um, you know, since all of our athletes disappeared on us, you know, in a you know drop of a hat, we've got a you know a lot of um, leftover you know Gatorade product and fuel station product and stuff like that that we're you know working on getting out to the the local kids. Um, what we did the, over the last week and the thing we're uh, moving forward with this week is uh, actually working on sending out some uh, you know care packages, if you will, of, of nutrition shakes and, and protein shakes and stuff like that to uh, to all all the athletes in the athletic department. Um, so that's another you know initiative that we're right in the middle of uh, putting together right now. So um, you know, to try to you know keep keep all of that up and, and try to help you know those athletes maintain their nutrition as much as we can. You mentioned Brady Collins and the strength and conditioning staff and, and the work that they do and the work that you do kind of go hand in hand in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. How has that communication been with Brady and and take me th- through how you two guys work together to kind of make sure that everybody's keeping in touch and, and staying on the right path? Sure. I, you know, I think um, and this, you know, if you if you were to talk to Brady, I would imagine he would echo this as well. Um you know, for, for us, it's not a secret, but I, I feel like elsewhere in the country, sometimes this is kind of the, you know, the best kept secret that, um, you know, one of the, the most important, you know, uh, connections or one of the most important lines of communication is between the strength coach and the, and the athletic training staff. And um, because, you know, so much of, of what they do, you know, affects, you know, what we do and, and vice versa. Um, so over the you know past four years, I, you know, I think, uh, as everything else in our program has continued to, you know, improve and, and, uh, you know, become more efficient, um, you know, as has our relationship and, and, uh, you know, the frequency in which we talk and communicate and it's, you know, a daily basis. Um, you know, if, if we, you know, see something on our end that, you know, something's, you know, bothering, you know, the shoulders bothering somebody, we want to obviously make sure that that message gets relayed to the, you know, the weight room and, and that way, you know, he and his staff, uh, you know, can help modify, you know, their workout or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, all of those guys are, are, are really doing a fantastic job. And, um, you know, for, from that standpoint and, uh, you know, likewise, we want the, you know, communication back from them. If, you know, things look strange in the, in the weight room, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, you know, their, their energy level, their, uh, if they're, you know, seem to be overly fatigued or, you know, someone's, you know, kind of showing some, some mental health, you know, kind of signs or symptoms, you know, they're, they're eyes and ears for us as we are for them. So it, it, it really is a, a critical, um, you know, relationship that, that we have and, and that we maintain to, to make sure that, um, you know, anything that impacts health and wellness, you know, in those 120 football players that, um, you know, we, we all just need to be on the same page and, and making sure that we're, singing yeah singing the same tune Uh, so it it really is important do you use him as an energy source because he doesn't he doesn't stop (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't no he's the uh absolute energizer bunny of the uh of the program for you know for sure uh and and actually um and I, I don't know how many people know this but uh you know down um in birmingham for the birmingham bowl as we were you know waiting out that lightning delay um you know, it was uh, really just kind of a, a drain on everybody because the, the weather sucked. And, um, you know, we're, now we had started, you know, went back into the locker room and, um, you know, Brady, you know, comes up to me. He's like, hey, you know, what are you guys hearing? What, you know, what, what are they, you know, thinking? What are they deciding? And um, I was like, I, I think we're going to be good in about 60 minutes. He's like, all right, perfect. We'll, we'll have the guys ready. And uh, as, as we were all uh, huddled outside of the door, waiting for the, you know, the official word to come out of the um, uh, kind of the, the meeting room that that play was going to resume, Brady had the, the locker room. I mean, just pandemonium. I mean, the music was loud. Everybody's, you know, jumping up and, <laughs> and uh, they were, they were, you know, basically doing like a, uh, like a, a dance party warm up. You know, you get called out, you do like some jumping jacks or some push ups. 
and uh, the, the energy in the locker room was, was just off the charts. And, you know, you could hear that from, from our side of the building. And then, if you know, you look down the hallway and, and listen to, you know, Boston College's side, uh, there was just like dead silent. <clears throat> and I, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, there is a 0% chance we're going to lose this game if we get back on the field because of, of what, you know, he and, and the staff were doing in there and, and uh, you know, getting the guys all charged up. And, and obviously we, we saw the end result of that. So, um, yeah, he, he's, he does a, a great job of, of keeping everybody, you know, on their toes and, and keeping everybody ready to roll. He's a crazy person. I love him. He's yeah, a crazy person. Absolutely. No doubt. <laughs> you, you, need, you need those people. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Abs- you need he, he's he's going to be our guest next week. So prepare oh, for the, the energy energy to be ramped up next week because uh, he sure. he he goes and go, <laughs> he, he is the Energizer Bunny. Yeah, I've never seen him low energy. And in no, four I years. haven't either. So I haven't either. Something you mentioned earlier that I think is a, an, an interesting part of this, and it's become, I would say, much more of a, a an increasing portion of what you guys do, and and a, a huge part of your job is the mental health aspect. Mm-hmm. For for guys that you know, football is basically what they do all day, every mm-hmm. day. For what does what does Luke say? Two hundred and eighty days a year, or whatever it is that the number that he has for for when these guys are are in football mode. Have you have you sensed that it's difficult for some of them to to go home and turn that switch off and and take me through just the the general uh, change in the 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 training industry as mental health awareness has become you know a much more accepted and, and regular thing. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, first, um, you know, I, I don't think I had seen it too much, you know, in the guys yet. Um, you know, I, I think kind of the, the resounding theme right now is, is everybody is, is really anxious to, you know, to get back and, and get in the weight room and get, get back on the field uh, is I'm sure everybody else in the, the country is, you know, looking forward to get back to normalcy. Um, but from that standpoint, you know, as we stand right now, I feel, you know, good about, uh, you know, where our guys are at and, uh, you know, how they're, um, you know, handling, you know, the adversity in, in this particular time right now. Uh, but yeah, me- mental health a- as a whole has become, uh, you know, really uh, one of the biggest things that, that we spend time and effort on, if, if not, you know, the biggest. And, you know, a, a lot of that really is, um, you know, us just trying to, you know, make sure that we, we know our athletes and make sure that we're, you know, uh, communicating with them and, and, you know, spending time with them, especially. And that's one of the, you know, the things I think I'm most thankful for in, in the athletic training room is the the platform that I have, you know, to almost have a conversation with everybody on the football team, you know, on a daily basis. Uh, you know, the conversation might, may not be long, um, you know, as it is for, for some of the others that are in there doing, you know, pretty extensive rehab, but, you know, if they're up on the taping table, you know, getting ready for, for practice or they're going through kind of their, you know, maintenance program, stretching routine stuff like that, you know, that's one of the things that, that Bob has really challenged all of us as, as a staff is to, you know, listen to them and, and talk to them, ask them how, you know, things are going, how academics are going, uh, how are things back home and, and, you know, really, um, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do with that is, you know, uh, catch things, you know, before they spiral out of control. And, you know, if you can, you know, start, you know, hearing a trend that, you know, someone's struggling in academics or, you know, they're having, you know, girl problems or, you know, things back home, you know, are a little unsteady, you know, that's when we, you know, really try to intervene and, you know, try to catch the catch a train before it gets out of control, if you will. And, um, you know, we, we, we have three uh, mental health providers that we, you know, utilize, uh, UC and, um, you know, they're as, as willing as, as ever to, you know, jump on a, a phone call or, or see anybody in person, uh, if need be. And it really is, it's, it's something that, um, you know, we've spent a lot of time and energy on, um, uh, Greg Scruggs and, and I actually went to the, uh, NCAA, a mental health summit in in January out in Los Angeles at uh, UCLA, and that was uh, uh, the first time that 
summit had ever been held and, and really was a, a fantastic, um, you know, experience having that many uh, people and, and that many, um, you know, different walks of life within the, you know, the athletic profession, you know, all in the same room, all talking about, you know, an incredibly important topic. Um, their administrators, coaches, uh, you know, docs, um, you know, psychologists, and it really was a, a pretty scattered group of people, but um, all, all fighting for the, you know, the same message and, and uh, you know, same, same relevance with, with mental health care. So it, it, it really has become, you know, a major, major part of what we do. How has it changed your day-to-day approach on things? Uh, and when did you start, start to feel that like a, a shift was coming where it wasn't just about knees and ankles and, and it was, you know, becoming, and I know this has always been a big deal at UC because it's always been something at the front of, you know, Bob Mangine's mind and, and the way that he operates the, the system. Sure. But when did, as a profession, when did it feel like that, that this was becoming something that was much more important uh, than maybe it had been in the past? I, you know, I, I think um, I, it has definitely, I think that transition has really been made since I started UC. So I'm, you know, going into my uh, seventh uh, season this coming fall. Um, and I would say probably, you know, my, my second, uh, second year, third year, maybe being with the baseball program is when, you know, you really started to get some, um, you know, some, some direction from the NCAA on it, that became, it really started to become, uh, you know, uh, an, an area of importance. And, um, you know, I, I think at the time, like our mental health policy was like a single page, um, you know, single piece of paper. And, uh, you know, now we've got um, binders of, you know, NCAA, you know, mental health best practices and stuff like that, that has come out. And, um, you know, but I, I would say, you know, the way that it has impacted me and, you know, and especially now in the, the position that I'm in is, um, you know, there, there can be times throughout the year where, you know, I may spend, you know, a couple hours with, you know, with athletes just, you know, checking in on them, uh, talking about, you know, how things are going, um, you know, and I, and some of my, you know, staff, they don't make fun of me, but they're like, you know, they see me in my office with the door closed and an athlete in there. And it's, you know, we're usually having you know, some kind of, you know, heart to heart, you know, talk about, you know, how, how life is going. Um, and, you know, there's, there's times of the year where it seems to ebb and flow a little bit uh, because, you know, college is, is a, um, you know, that, that time frame in those kids' lives is, you know, a pretty, uh, pretty interesting, you know, time. You know, they're, they're moving away from home for the first time. Um, you know, they're, they're being challenged in, in ways that they've never probably thought that they were going to get challenged from, you know, a, an academic standpoint, a, a workload standpoint, uh, you know, being challenged in the weight room like they've probably never been challenged before. And, and it's a lot of, you know, a lot of new uh, experience and a lot of new stimulus that's, you know, being you know, dumped on them all, all at one time. And, uh, you know, some, some kids are, you know, really prepared and ready to, to handle that and deal with it. And, you know, and others aren't. And um, whether they're prepared or not, it's, it's our responsibility to, to help kind of, you know, make that transition and, and help them deal and, and, and cope with it as, as best as we can. Let, let's talk about your boss and not, mm-hmm. not Bob, but Coach Fickle. Sure. <laughs> um, what has it been like, and you, as you said, you, you started the, the last year under Tommy Tuberville, and, and while I know everybody's got their opinions on Tommy, Tommy was always good to me, uh, and, and I'm sure from your aspect, he was very easy to work with. Uh, Luke Fickle has, has changed the culture, changed the expectations here. Um, tell me about the relationship you have with him and, and how the, that communication works. Uh, in terms of, you know, this guy can practice today, this guy can't. Um, what happens if, you know, we you, you get to Thursday or Friday and, and somebody's not ready to go yet? Just what has that been like with Luke uh, as he has grown more comfortable and, and really taken control of the program? Sure. It, it, um, it actually was, uh, you know, starting to assume the, the head athletic trainer role for football, um, you know, has been a, a major kind of milestone in my career. And, uh, you know, leading up to that, 
um, you know, I had been, you know, the head athletic trainer at a high school for, uh, what, six years, uh, had been the head, you know, head guy for a baseball program for, for over three. So I had a fair amount of, you know, experience going into that, into that position. Um, it, it but, you know, uh, much like, you know, anybody that makes a, a major jump, you know, vertically and, in um, you know, their, their work stature, if you will. We don't want to hear about your vertical jump. It, it was, <laughs> but, but it, it was, I'll tell you what though, it was, um, it, it was like drinking out of a fire hose for a while. Uh, and, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Fick, uh, you know, challenges, you know, everybody, you know, on the staff and, and within the program to, you know, continually, um, you know, make forward progress and, and continually, you know, find ways to get better. Um, you know, in that first year, I, you know, quite honestly found myself, you know, being challenged to, uh, you know, go to staff meetings and, and, um, you know, be prepared the, the way that, that I needed to be prepared and be prepared the way that he wanted me to be prepared. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, you know, looking back at something that, you know, at that time in my career is absolutely something that I needed, uh, you know, was, was to be challenged in, in that way. Um, and, you know, fast forward, you know, four years later, um, you know, I, I think we've got a fantastic relationship. Uh, I try my hardest to, uh, to go up there with, with, you know, good news most of the time. Um, but that's, you know, we've got a little bit of a joke sometimes that I'm the, the grim reaper when I, you know, walk into their, you know, in the, the offensive meeting room or the defensive meeting room. And, you know, they all kind of collectively look at me and like, man, what is he getting ready to tell us? Cause it doesn't look like it's going to be good. You know, that type of thing. Um, but, you know, and that's, you know, kind of one of the unfortunate things about my job is, uh, you know, I, I am often, you know, delivering not so great news to, you know, you know, coaches or players or, or whatever it may be. But, um, you know, I, Coach Vick has been nothing but supportive of, of me and, and the operation that, that uh, you know, Bob has put together down in the training room. So uh, that, that relationship has, has worked out really well. You are quite literally the bearer of bad news. I, I am. That, that <laughs> does that does happen on occasion. Was it ever any worse than the week before the season last year when you had to go in there twice with terrible news? No, uh, that was. I think those were were you know probably that that was that was probably some of the worst um, just because of you know I, I think how you know, how the team was, was feeling collectively and, and how, you know, positive uh, everything was and, and kind of the energy we had going in. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, James and, and his injury, you know, happened right going into that UCLA game. Uh, that was, that was definitely, you know, tough, to, tough to relay that message. And, um, you know, often it's, you know, you give him, you know, news like that, and he kind of just looks at you, you know, for a second, like, get get away from me. And I'm like, yes, sir, I'll, I'll circle back, and we'll talk about <laughs> this a little bit later after, uh, you know, it's it's set in. Um, but, you know, it, it, you know, that it's part of the nature of the beast, if you will. One thing that, that was a huge positive through the Tuberville era and, and has continued through the Luke Fickle era a lot of really, really good kids in the program. How much easier, how much more enjoyable does that make the job? Dealing with, you're not dealing with off the field stuff in terms sure. of, you know, babysitting nearly as much as maybe, you know, it had happened in the past. And and it's got to make it just a little bit more uh, peace of mind when you're doing, especially dealing with 18 to 22 year olds that you're dealing with kids that are intelligent and can, you know, carry a conversation and, and let you know exactly what's going on in their life. Without a doubt it is. And I think that, you know, kind of jumping back to my comment about, um, you know, feeling really good about, you know, where, where our guys are at and where the team is at, uh, you know, despite, you know, spring abruptly getting, you know, shut down, um, you know, I think the, you know, not just Coach Fickle, but the, you know, collective staff as a whole have done a really phenomenal job of, of recruiting some not, you know, not just, you know, fantastic athletes on the field, but, uh, you know, also fantastic people. And, um, you know, that, that really has, you know, been a, a godsend, um, you know, because, you know, when we do have an athlete that has, a, you know, a bad injury that ends up spending a lot of time with, with us, us in the athletic training room, 
um, you know, as I frequently tell them, you know, surgery is the easy part. Like that, that's easy. You, you may not think that's easy. And you may think that this is going to be the, you know, the, the most difficult thing that you do in this process, but I can promise you it's not, um, that you, all, you get put to sleep and, you know, you wake up and you're, you know, reconstructed and, and put back together. And, and, you know, really the, the challenge becomes, you know, the, the, the weeks and months, you know, after that, when it becomes a, a grind and you're not, you know, doing all the things that you want to do. Um, but when you have, you know, those, those, um, I would just say generally good people, you know, those good student athletes, um, it makes that process, you know, better. And, you know, they seem to understand it and, um, you know, rise to the challenge of, of, you know, having some of those, you know, dark days in the, in the athletic training room and, and going through that process. But, um, you know, I, I do think that's a, you know, a major tip of the hat to, you know, the, the coaching staff on, on the job that they have done and the, uh, you know, the time of uh, the type of team that they have put together, uh, just generally a, a bunch of really good kids. One kid that really wasn't that good of a kid, but I, I have to ask, even though it's, it, it's old news and, and he's, you know, he's, he's long gone now. How the hell did you get Garrett Campbell back on the field as quickly? <laughs> you know what? Talk about um, a bad kid. That, that guy was a pain in the that, ass. Yeah, he was totally a pain in the ass. No, um, he that that was uh, an unbelievable um, an unbelievable experience. I think not just for him, uh, but but also myself. You know, I, I remember going out to the field at, at UConn, and um, you know, we, we looked at his ankle out there, and already coming off the field with, with, you know, not having warm and fuzzies and uh, we get a better look at it on the sideline. And he actually looks at me and he's like, just, just tell me, like, I'm going to freaking find out anyways. Just let me know what you think. And I was like, yeah, you, you broke your ankle. And, um, you know, I, I remember going up to Fick and, and he was, you know, kind of had that, that deer in the headlights look like, Hey, you know, we, we just lost one of our you know senior offensive linemen. And, um, you know, after we got back to Cincinnati, you know, did all the imaging, that type of thing, um, you know, we, we sat down and I told Garrett, I'm like, look, man, um, I don't know if we're going to be able to pull this off, but what I, what I will tell you is that I will work my ass off to try to get you one more game in Nippert Stadium. I don't know if it'll happen, but if, if you work hard, if I work hard, you know, who knows what, what we'll be able to pull off. And, um, I believe we played was it USF prior to prior to that last home Nippert game. Yeah, um, he, he really I, wanted to he, play, and he wasn't happy with you. Boy, he was wearing me out on the sideline during the game, and he's like, "Just let me go to the locker room and, and get my cleats and, and let me play." I'm like, "There, no, like, there's no chance." But you are you know, four weeks out from this thing and you're, you know, on the verge of us clearing you for the next week. Like we're, we're, we're just going to take our time. Um, you know, but, but going through that, um, and, and watching him and, and how hard he worked and the time and effort he put into that was, was really, you know, special for us to get that type of injury back in, uh, God, was it five weeks and three days five or something weeks, like yeah. that? Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, and I think that just, you know, shows you as long as you work hard and have, you know, positive, you know, mindset, uh, you know, fantastic things, you know, can definitely happen in, in times when they probably shouldn't happen. So it, it was good. That was, that was an awesome, uh, awesome experience to be a part of. How different is it when, when you're dealing with a senior in a situation like that? Like uh, even this year, what many people don't know, Morgan James injury that he missed what two weeks a week two weeks yeah I think he missed two weeks yeah which was probably what a, a five four to six week injury um you're not rushing them back by any stretch of the imagination but how amazed are you at sometimes by the human body and and by guys like Garrett guys like Morgan that just had this mentality of I'm going to rehab I'm going to go through this process properly and we're going to do everything we can to get back on the field. And then sometimes do you look at him and just say, you're, you're just a physical freak that I have no explanation for. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's one of the, you know, the things that, that we're blessed with. And this is, you know, another thing that, um, you know, you know, can tip my hat to the, the coaches for is, is bringing in a bunch of genetic freaks because, um, you know, things like that happen. 
and you know they for for reasons you know you sometimes can't explain you know you have a, a kid that comes back from you know like you indicated with morgan uh, an injury that should be probably north of six weeks you know to buy the book and you know all of a sudden in two and a half weeks he looks you know 95 percent. it's like I, I i don't know if you if it's because of what you're doing or because of what i'm doing but you know let's keep doing this thing and and uh you know get you back and, you know, I think with seniors, um, you know, they have, they have that, you know, that, that drive, um, you know, kind of, uh, that, that flame is as lit as it will ever be that senior year, because they know that their timeline is finite and the end of it is, is nearing. Uh, and then for the ones that, you know, have the opportunity to, you know, move on to the next level. Um, you know, that's still not guaranteed until they, you know, call your name on, uh, you know, draft day or, or you get that, that phone call from, um, you know, the team saying that they're going to, you know, sign you as an undrafted free agent or something like that. So it's the, the seniors, um, you know, definitely seem to have, uh, you know, a little bit more awareness that, um, you know, my, my days are, you know, are potentially coming to a close. And, and if I want to maximize the rest of my season, I, I got to, you know, do everything I can from, you know, within their control to, you know, help that rehab process along as best as they can. So you were there for Tuberville's last season. You were there for Fickle's first season. You've been there as the head athletic trainer for the, the two winning seasons, mm-hmm. the two 11 win seasons. How much different is going to work every day now, as opposed to it was when the program was, was kind of, on the downswing and, and hadn't rebounded yet. You know, it, it's um, I actually uh, one of the things that, that Bob has taught me along the years is, uh, you know, as you win, your job becomes more stressful <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, you, you know, you know, you know what's at stake and, and you know, the, the opportunity that you, you have, you know, ahead of you. Um, so, you know, I, I can't say, you know, just because we've had, you know, 11 win seasons, um, that things have gotten any easier. Um, but I think, you know, it, it just, as you have that success, you know, you, you have that, um, you know, that desire from within to, you know, do everything in your power to, you know, to, to help that process along and, and help that, uh, that success continue. And, and then, you know, beyond that, take it to the next level. Um, you know, I, I think everybody in our program, uh, you know, felt like we left some chips on the table last year and, and want, this next season to, you know, prove to everybody that, that, um, you know, we've got what it takes to, to take that next gigantic step and, and bring home a, you know, conference championship. And, and, um, you know, I think everybody, and, and I think this is what, what you, or what I, at least I'm feeling and seeing from some of our guys is, uh, you know, that they're hungry. I mean, they, they are, they want to get back on campus bad uh, because that there's, you know, some serious, you know, unfinished business that I think everybody wants to tend to. And, um, you know, the faster we can, we can get this thing over with and get back to the, the field. I think you're going to see a pretty, a pretty, uh, you know, fun group of guys that are, you know, really determined, you know, on the back end of this. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's the, the, the biggest, you know, thing that I have felt, you know, over those, those four years is, you know, as, as the success has come, you know, so has the, the, you know, kind of unwavering desire to keep it going and, and making sure that we're all, uh, you know, all doing everything that we can to, you know, put a fantastic product on the field. How, how much do you feel like part of the team? How much do losses sting? How much, you know, how much does the big win over, over UCF at home get your adrenaline going? where is there a line do you do you shut it off or do you feel that because you're so close to everything you know you feel the the ups and downs no i I definitely feel them Uh, i mean there's there's not much worse than getting on the uh the team charter after a loss and you know flying back to cincinnati and being like you know damn we just we let that one go you know we we shouldn't have um you know we we should have you know done this or done that you know, and, and even in that time, you know, I, I and my staff reflect, you know, what, what could we have done better, uh, you know, to help potentially make the outcome of that, you know, that game, uh, you know, in, in favor of us. Um, you know, it, it definitely, you know, it, it definitely wears, you know, wears on me as well, you know, when we don't lose uh, or when we when we don't win. Um, 
you know, but, you know, kind of the nature of what I do sometimes in really is kind of the, the internal battle, you know, that you ultimately end up coming across is, is you do have to, you know, make decisions that are in the, the best interest of the athlete. Um, and, you know, sometimes as, as uncomfortable as those decisions are, they, you know, that take, holding that, you know, star player out for an extra week or, you know, having, having that guy, you know, not, not take as many reps or, um, you know, whatever it may be is, is kind of that internal struggle that, that you have to, you know, objectively, you know, monitor and manage and, you know, not make decisions, you know, out of, um, you know, out of, uh, you know, just angst for, for the game or, or wanting to make those decisions, you know, in, in times where you shouldn't. And, and I think that's the, the biggest thing that all athletic trainers are kind of presented with. And, um, you know, the, the really good ones, you know, understand what it means to, you know, take, take somebody out of the game, um, you know, when the team might need that person the most, but if it means that that kid can, you know, play for the rest of the season or, you know, come back from whatever particular injury it is in a, in a quicker time. You know, sometimes that's where you have to kind of swallow your pride and, and make that decision. Take me through uh, ligament injuries in terms of, is there anything preventative that, that, you know, you know, like a, a knee or an Achilles or, or is it in theory, you just make it as strong and as flexible as you can and just hope something doesn't happen. Um, what's the trainer like, like mentality on, on stuff like that? Yeah. You know, it, it, as it relates to, to knees or anything like that, you know, the, one of the, I think the, the fantastic things that we have the ability to do uh, as an allied health professional, you know, versus other health professionals is we're, we are in the position to help prevent, you know, as much injury as we can, you know, as a, as a doctor or as a, you know, as a, a, a general practitioner, physical therapist, you know, you're seeing the, the patients after the injury has occurred. And, and a lot of what we do is, is work, you know, in, in concert with the strength and conditioning staff, you know, to, um, you know, look at, look at what we have, look at our trends and find ways to, you know, make sure that we're, you know, putting these guys in, in the best, you know, position that they possibly can. Um, you know, as it relates to knee injuries, it, it's not so much strengthening the ligament itself, uh, but it's, you know, strengthening, um, you know, everything around it, your quads, your hamstrings, uh, making sure that your, your balance, uh, you know, in, in proprioception is, is, you know, on point. So there's a lot of things that um, that we do, you know, in the athletic training room, and then then obviously a lot of things that that Brady does um, down there in the weight room that is is really preventative in nature, and, and not so much just uh, well we're gonna you know lift this you know just because we want to throw around heavy weight, um, you know, at just about everything that we do has has a, a reason or a purpose or is very intentional as to, to why we're doing it. And, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of that is, is preventative and, uh, trying to, you know, dynamically strengthen, you know, things as best as we can. Um, you know, there's a kind of a, a theory out there that, uh, knee injuries, you know, happen, uh, you know, late in the game or, or in, in moments of, uh, fatigue, which, which Bob is actually incredibly passionate about, uh, which is, is kind of funny listening to him argue with, uh, other people on a national stage about, you know, fatigue in its role. Um, but, you know, monitoring, you know, their load and, and stuff like that is, is all things that we, you know, take into consideration and, and try to, you know, mi minimize injury as much as possible, really. And, and how amazed at, are you at the rate which guys are returning to form right now? And some of this is you've just, you've had some, like we've talked about, some freaks, Perry Young, James Wiggins, mm -hmm. Charles McClellan. Yeah. Um, genetically, those guys are different, but how crazy is it to you how fast guys are getting back now? Because it used to be a full year injury. Like you, you weren't really back for nine months to a year. And now you guys are, are cautious with them, but they look pretty close after four or five, six months now. Yeah, it, it's, you know, I, I think it's uh, multifactorial. Um, I, I think one of the big things that we multifactorial. do. Multifactorial. Um, 
That's yeah, like, put put that well put that done. one down. That's that's at least well like done, seven Hemler. syllables or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that we do is, you know, after you know after a surgery or after a, a big time injury, uh, one of the things that we do is, is really try to get them back into the weight room as quick as possible. And, and I say that not from the standpoint of all right, well you you know you've had your ACL reconstructed, we're gonna have you leg press the entire weight room. But what we actually do is we start attacking the other limb or their healthy leg. And um, there's actually a, about a 30% carryover uh, from, you know, if, if you just work your, your healthy, you know, non-injured leg, about 30% of that, of that workload will actually translate over to the, you know, the, the affected side. And, um, you know, we're, we're routinely trying to get, um, you know, those guys back in the weight room as quick as possible uh, and, and obviously in a modified way. And, um, you know, we work with, uh, you know, Dustin Tripp. He's kind of our um, kind of uh, liaison, if you will, with the rehab or, or uh, injured guys. And he, you know, takes them through a, a modified workout and, um, you know, still getting them going. And, you know, we're seeing not just the benefit from <clears throat> the activity in them, you know, lifting weights, but we're also, you know, we get that kind of that mental health benefit of them being, you know, re acclimatized with the team and still down there with, with their, with their friends and, and doing the things that they want to do. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's, when you get hurt at the division one level, it's a full-time job on, on trying to get you, you know, get you back and healthy. So, I mean, from, the amount of time they're spending in the weight room to the amount of time they're in the athletic training room, you know, can, can sometimes go upwards of, you know, five hours a day. And, uh, you know, they're, you know, grinding as, as hard as they can. And then there's, you know, some other, uh, you know, tricks that, that we do in the athletic training room to try to, you know, cheat nature, if you will. Um, you know, blood flow restriction is a, is a big uh, utility that we do in the, uh, the athletic training room with, with, uh, you know, their physical therapy. And, um, you know, seeing a, a great benefit from that and, uh, you know, that's some of the, the tricks of the trade of, of trying to, you know, get these guys back quick. So you asked me what kind of questions you needed to prepare for, uh, for this mm -hmm. interview. And I told you to prepare for me to ask you, give me a Bob Mangene story that might get you fired if you listen to this podcast. I'm not going to ask you that specific so I, question. I'm going to alter it just a touch. I'm going to because I, I like you and I, I like having you around. Give me a Bob right. Mangine story that probably won't get you fired. Okay. So I, I actually have two stories that I thought of, um, <laughs> and the the first the first story is the first day that I met him, um, and it was uh, it was at Beachwood. Uh, I got a call from uh, my boss uh, Nick Repka. He said, "Hey." Bob's going to, you know, stop over. Uh, he has, I, I guess, some of, you know, Dr. Colosimo's medical kits. He's just going to drop them off. And uh, at that point, I, I knew nothing about Bob. I didn't know who he was, uh, how long he had been in the profession. I knew absolutely nothing about him. So I'm out in the parking lot at Beachwood waiting for him. And uh, he pulls up. I believe it was in a, a big, like, Tahoe. Uh, it, it may have been, you know, it might as well have been a tank. It seemed like one of the biggest vehicles I'd ever seen. And he comes leaping out of this, you know, this big truck and, you know, lands on the ground. And he is significantly shorter than I was, what I was expecting. And he has He's what, a about five, Bluetooth. Five? Yeah, it, at least he's got a Bluetooth <laughs> headset in and, and he is absolutely uh, just letting somebody off easy. You know, a bunch of, uh, bunch of profanity coming out. Uh, he is clearly unhappy with whoever is on the opposite side of this phone call. And I'm thinking to myself, who is this guy and what is he getting ready to tell me? And, uh, he hangs up the phone call, you know, walks right past me. He's like, okay, follow me, son. And, uh, we walk into the athletic training room and he's looking around. He's like, yeah, I, I just don't know what we're going to do in here. And, uh, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, what do you mean what we're going to do in here? Like, this is my job. You know, this is my position. And he's like, yeah, we're going to put some cabinets over here and we're going to, put a, a, a hot tub over there for you and that type of thing. And I'm like, man, who is this guy? And, you know, what is, you know, what is he all about? And, um, you know, I, I, fast forward, you know, 
what, six years, he, he ends up being my boss. And now we're, you know, going into, you know, my seventh year of him being my direct boss. And, uh, you know, obviously that was a, a pretty, pretty interesting time. Um, but I think the, the other time I really got to see his true colors and kind of his, his, uh, fire on the sideline was that that year at Beachwood we played in the state championship against Hazard and um he came down was was with uh you know Dr. Colosimo on the sideline helping helping me out and uh our star tailback um at Nico Typel comes off the field with like a, a you know quad strain or something like that and we're late in the game it's like fourth quarter we're up by like I don't know six or seven or something like that and uh, I'm trying to get Nico to 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 take his uh, his game pants down so I can wrap his hamstring or his quad, and he's taking like his sweet ass time, you know, getting his his belt unbuckled and that type of thing. And he he just barely starts to pull his pants down, and Bob's like, "All right," and just yanks yanks the kid's you know uh, game pants down. Still has his girl on and everything like that. And he's like, "Give me this," and he takes the the ace wrap, starts wrapping his hamstring up you know, tells the kid to get his pants up and get back out there and gives him this, you know, this, uh, uh, pep talk that most of which I can't repeat, but, um, you know, he tells this kid to go back out there and, and basically win the freaking football game for us. And, and I, I was just kind of like in amazement at that point, I'm like, Holy smokes, this guy is intense. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he hasn't lost that fire, uh, you know, for a second, it may, it may have died down just a little bit, but, uh, he still has uh, he still has the flame when he needs to turn it back on and, and get everybody in gear. That's for sure. No, it's still there. It's still very much there. You'll see him no in basketball basketball game days. Two hours before tip off, he's smiling, laughing, happy, jovial Bob for the most part. You get to about forty five minutes before tip off, the face the 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 facial expression completely changes. And oh, without a doubt, he's in game mode without question. <laughs> I, one I of my only... other favorite, favorite. Good. No, you go ahead. What one of my other favorite times uh, as I started to work football was always like the first day of camp, and, and just like you're saying, you know, leading up to you know taping, he's in this you know really happy kind of bubbly mood, and then the first kid gets on the table, and, and Bob goes into like championship game mode on day <laughs> one of football camp, and starts you know just just airing everybody out and, and, you know, MFing everybody and telling them to, you know, hurry up and get taped and get their braces on and, and make sure that they're, you know, from, from rolled and stretched out and, and not late to meetings and stuff like that. But um, it, it really is a, a spectacle to see. For a guy, I mean, you're what, 35? Yeah, 35. It's got to be pretty awesome to learn from what is widely considered pretty much a legend in the game, right? Like, well, with, yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, in, for those that don't know, um, you know, in the, the 80s and 90s, uh, Bob was really uh, part of the group that was on the forefront of, of ACL research and ACL rehab. And, uh, you know, I tell a lot of people there's probably very few people in the country that are better at, you know, rehab and ACLs than, than what he is because of everything that you know, he and that, that group of people learned at that, you know, particular point in time. And, right. and, you know, that was, you know, really, again, one of the driving factors for me wanting to come to UC and, and be a part of, of what, you know, he, he had already established. And, and between, uh, you know, the 50 years of experience he has and the 30-something the years of experience Dr. Colosimo has and then the, you know, the other, you know, 25 or whatever years of experience that Dr. Devine has, um, you know, that, that's a tremendous amount of, you know, knowledge that I get the, the ability to, to see from the, the front row seats, if you will, for, you know, hopefully a, a really long time and, you know, has, has been, you know, one of the big things that has, has made, you know, made me, you know, where I am in my career and, and uh, obviously owe it to them. Well, this has been awesome, man. And hopefully here soon within the next, I don't know, eight, six, eight weeks, whatever it is, uh, you, you, you've got a bustling training room again and not a, uh, a barren ghost land that has to just be the weirdest feeling in the world when you walk in and there's, it is, there. it, it's, it's definitely bizarre. And, and, uh, you know, I, 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 and everybody else yearns for the, the day that we can you know, get back to normal and, 
you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, a lot of your, your listeners and, and fans are, are, uh, by, you know, time the fall comes around are going to be absolutely, you know, juiced up for, for our first game at Nipper stadium. So, uh, that, all things I think we, we can look forward to. Well, thank you, sir. This has been great. It's much appreciated and, uh, appreciate you taking out your time and hopefully you got the little ones down for a nap, which if you did, we're an hour in, they're going to be waking up soon anyway. You, you haven't heard any screaming, so I think uh, my wife is doing a fantastic job upstairs of, of keeping them quiet. So uh, they're, they're either all asleep or they're watching The Lion King or something like that. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what we got uh, after I get off the call and, and find out what the damage is like. But I appreciate you having me on, Chad, and, and uh, you know, good luck. And look forward to seeing you guys on the, the sideline at practice whenever we get to pick that back up again. All right. Thanks, Coach Himmler, and uh, we will talk right. to you soon. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate it. That's Aaron Himmler, the head athletic trainer for the football team, and uh, some great stuff from him. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Next week, we will have Brady Collins on the show, so really looking forward to that one as well. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail here on BearcatJournal.com.